0: All right, welcome to episode four of Jewel's podcast show. I am your host, Jamarco Muffini, and today I have a special guest, good friend of mine, all-around awesome human, big wave surfer, pretty much epitomizes the term waterman. Mr. Kyle Lenny. how are you doing today?
1: Thanks for having me on, Jamarco. I'm stoked to be on this podcast. Of
0: course, thanks for uh, um, making time to come on. So I'm sure you know whoever ends up listening to this Probably knows a little bit about you already. but uh, maybe if you could just you know give the listeners uh, a little bit of some background of yourself,
1: yeah, so my name is Kylaney, born and raised here on Maui. and, uh, yeah, you know, I've been fortunate enough to become a product of my environment. Maui, without a doubt, during the era I was growing up, was the best place on earth to be born and raised to do what I'm doing. So, surfing, windsurfing, kiteboarding, um, wing surfing, foiling, big wave riding. I mean, it's all on this coastline. And I think when we were growing up, you know, late 90s, early 2000s was when all these sports were exploding. So comic book movies weren't a thing yet. <laughs> so the real superheroes were the guys that you'd go down to the beach and you'd see. And that made me think a lot about how important it is for like people in the community to be Leaders, but also inspiration because it's tangible. It's not this, you know, big thing that you probably couldn't achieve because it's CGI and it's just a movie. So I think that was like really fortunate. But I mean, I guess talking more about myself, you know, I've won eight world titles in stand up paddling, in racing, and wave riding. Um, I've won big wave events, big wave uh, awards for biggest wave of the year and performer of the year. And I mean, I tend to forget a lot of my accomplishments because I'm always so focused on what's next. Like, what do I want to do next? And um, so it's just whatever I do, it feels good in the moment and always been goal oriented. So it's like look into the future to see where, you know, the path continues. Yeah. Um. So how do you
0: do you decide to transition from, you know, one sport to the I mean, I know that you don't just quit doing, you know, stand up paddling stuff. Um, but your main focus does transition, right? Like before you're focusing on windsurfing and then stand up paddling and then now like big wave surfing and stuff. So how does that focus transition?
1: I have a tendency to want to go after something that I'm not as good at, or, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously you have to have the passion for it and really love it. And I tend to have a lot of fun with everything I do, especially when it's really hard. And, you know, I have a hard time trying to, I would say quit, goal especially the harder it is the more i want to achieve it and then Mm. the more satisfaction you get from achieving it so i've always been that goal-oriented competitive person but at the same time like if i was to talk about big wave surfing it was always a spiritual pursuit more than a competitive one and and then i just sort of fell into the competitive path of Mm. like wanting to compete in big waves but it was just natural because i always loved competing but at the same time yeah it's like trying to do stuff that maybe I wasn't as good at, you know? And um, I try to do everything. There's just not enough time in the day or I get too tired. So I train harder, you know? It's it's a mind <laughs> state. Train harder, eat better, go faster. Time's flying. I'm going to be 29 in a couple weeks. And it's just such a trip because, like, all of a sudden, I could never see myself past 18 when you're a kid. And you're like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm almost 30. Like, I ha- I have to do more. I have to, like, now I feel like... Anytime I'm tired, it's overcome with just, I I have to get things done. And I only have, I'm giving myself time limits. You know, when you're younger, you're like, oh, I got so much time to like, go after my goals and do this. Now it's like, I have until spring to be the greatest ever at this, you know, Yeah. at least you tell yourself in your head so you get motivated. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, in regard to big wave surfing, uh, I know there's tons of sports that you do, but are there any certain sports that complement big wave surfing better than others or I, that have helped you out? Like, I don't know, like pull a drop or, you know,
1: I think if, uh, it, it depends if I was to isolate it to training, um, stand up paddling, if I had to only do one type of training, it would be stand up paddling because it simulates big wave surfing perfectly. You have to use every part of your body in order to maneuver a board or ride these big waves. Um, same with, you know, when you're on a board trying to get it through the water, especially racing, your heart rate is always super high and you have to sustain that over a long time. And in big waves, you surf, you know, for, I surf six to 12 hours sometimes. And on top of that, you have to maintain a clear focus. Um, and as soon as things start getting a little blurry is when mistakes are made. But the nice thing with stand paddling is it's in a controlled environment. So if there was one thing that I had to do to prepare for this season, it would probably be on a stand-up paddle race board. Because, you know, you're just gonna you, you can push as hard as you want for as long as you want in a controlled environment and you have to use everything. But it's I would say in terms of the physical riding of waves, stand paddling does help because you get used to riding giant boards. But the speed of a windsurfer or a kite is a huge advantage because it doesn't become shocking. You know, when you surf smaller waves and even the biggest wave before Jaws, you don't go nearly as fast as going out to Jaws or Nazare or Mavericks. These waves are just sort of in a league of their own. And so being already comfortable at speed, I can just hop in and not be, like, surprised by it. Mm -hmm. And then I can focus on what I want to do on the wave rather than feeling like I'm just trying to stay on top of the board. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's take
0: it back a little bit. You started windsurfing first um no
1: i started surfing and then when okay surfing when i was four windsurfing when i was six stand fouling when i was seven kiting when i was nine and then foiling when i was nine and tone surfing when i was nine you know it was just that kind of era when i was growing up was Mm -hmm. all those sports every time a sport would emerge i would just kind of pick it up and do it and so now there's new sports that i did only a couple years ago but it took that long for it to be invented yeah Was, uh, were like water sports and stuff, was that always
0: something that you had envisioned of doing for, as a career, your life,
1: or? I would say after the first wave I rode at four years old at Ukamehame, which is on South Shore, Thousand Peaks, this place where a lot of families take their kids, you know, and, um, that was where I caught my first wave and I knew that's what I was going to do the rest of my life at four years old. Like I'm going to be a professional surfer athlete and it's interesting because, I always kind of draw back to being a product of your environment. Um, and then also it's like what you allow to come into your life. You know, when you're a kid, you can make decisive choices. And obviously there's examples of kids that I grew up with that you grow up with that took a very different path, but are successful in their own way. You know, like yeah. maybe they stuck purely to surfing and the innovation of aerials like Albie and Matt and the, those guys. Yeah. Um, So it's just interesting, like as a kid, you don't realize it, but you have a choice, but you're fueled off of passion. And, you know, since I was more exposed to wind sports, that's where I kind of like, I would put, I put my focus more on windsurfing than competitive small wave surfing, though I still surfed smaller waves and did all that and did those kids contests, but it wasn't like the dedication. I almost feel like I'm doing that sort of dedication of surfing that you need to, to create a foundation now at 28 Than you know when I was eight,
0: yeah. I noticed actually that you've been, uh, you know, posting a lot and been training a lot in shortboarding and stuff. Is that something that you have been kind of transitioning your focus on, like to do that more competitively?
1: Yeah, no, I've I love competing, and there's really not a whole lot of events in any other sports at the moment, which sucks. And even surfing, it's so hard to do an event that would get you anywhere, like right before we got on. I was looking forward to doing this qualifying event at Sunset Beach, you know, to get onto the Challenger Series. And then, if you do well in the Challenger Series, you make the CT. And it's all goals that people have been working for their entire lives. But I wanted to, like, okay, I'm going to start at Sunset Beach, a wave that I'm really, you know, in tuned with with my stand-up paddling i've spent a lot of time there yeah comfort you've done really are, good
0: in the past that, over there yeah
1: like um you know i've won events but then in surfing you know i've made like semifinals, and you know the, it's bigger waves more comfort right wow. and so i just hope it's always 20 foot faces or something <laughs> um but so it got canceled and anyway my my theory now is because everything evolves right like mm-hmm. you got to train in the sports you do to a certain extent Um, Like my windsurfing, obviously, and big wave riding. Big wave riding doesn't happen every day, as you know. So what is harder than riding a big wave? Riding a really, really small wave. Because you have to be so fast on your feet. There's no power. It's all manufactured through your body, your board. It's very technical. But it doesn't look like it from the beach. But it's probably the hardest form of riding a wave because... In a way, it's not perfectly designed for it. But when you're really good at it, like our friends are, like Ian Gentile and Emai who are going for the tour, and Cody Young, those guys are able to manufacture it and make huge spray and make it look so good, but it's not easy. So my theory is if you can ride a small wave really good where you have to have fast-twitch muscles and you have to, you can't even think. You just got to feel the wave and throw your maneuvers. get on a big wave, all of a sudden you have six seconds as you're dropping in to really <laughs> think about, okay, I want to bottom turn here hit that and if you can just kind of speed yourself up you're gonna be doing twice as much on a wave that of consequence so it's a combination of training for big waves but then also being like the least it's probably the least thing anyone expects me to do is try to do a small wave contest like why would i do that i don't Mm. know because it's challenging you know it's hard
0: yeah in some ways i think people don't expect it but people who know you who are your friends are like oh yeah okay i kind of get why he's doing that cuz you've always done things that are like like you said like difficult and kind of out of the ordinary and like are trying to achieve things in different sports such as like surfing now
1: yeah no exactly it's like what is the most hard thing i can try to do because pressure makes diamonds and um <laughs> we want to be diamonds every single day but uh the most most importantly it's like You know, having I think being scared of something, too, is really good for you Mm because it keeps you on your toes and and it keeps you thinking sharp complacency and being comfortable. I've never liked it. I always feel like as soon as I've done everything right and I lay down, it's like, what's next? I got to like be out of my comfort zone, be riding big waves. You're always out of your comfort zone, but you don't get to do it all that often. So all of a sudden. I could go compete in a two foot wave contest and be scared of my competitor because, man, this guy rips, you know, I, I like, what's he doing that I'm not doing? Okay. You're trying to analyze, you're trying to put it together. And then as soon as the waves are 10 feet or bigger, um, you know, it's like, oh, I feel like I have the advantage. Like I'm not even, I'm, I'm thinking of the wave more than, you know, my yeah. competitor, but it's, that's the cool thing. It's like competing not to beat other people, but to like push yourself. What's competing in big wave surfing like? competing in big wave surfing was really hard to get into like mentally because one side you're trying to like not your self-preservation mm-hmm. and then the other side you're trying to compete and there's so conflicting emotions <laughs> one you're like oh i don't want to go on that because it's for sure going to close out or there's risk involved i'm not going to catch it in traditional big wave surfing you might not catch away for a couple hours and get a good one Whereas in a heat, you have 45 minutes yeah. and you have to catch two waves. And oftentimes you're not satisfied with one of those. So you're trying to get another one. And, and so I, I mean, for the longest time, I found myself pulling back in waves I should have been going on out of fear of like wiping out. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you can overcome that and get really comfortable and just focus on competing, that's how you become pretty untouchable in big waves. And I've sort of, as soon as I started feeling that way, all the events stopped because of COVID <laughs> And you're just Shit. like, oh, my God, like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. in my prime years, am I missing out on winning, you know? And then in the end, you kind of go full circle. And you're like, well, life's not all about winning competitions. <laughs> but then again, it's just fun. It's a challenge, right? And yeah. then having something to look forward to and lose sleep over at night is really fun, too. Yeah.
0: So um, the Jaws contest, uh, how many have they done now? Like, five? five i think yeah and that was um i mean they've done contests out at jaws before i think like billabong odyssey or stuff like back
1: in the yeah they did like the toe challenge in like 2002.
0: yeah but bringing a paddle contest to jaws was pretty kind of revolutionary when it happened and stuff so um how how have you felt about the jaws contest in the past i know there was one year where it was kind of contentious when uh, you got second. When I was like, uh, How did you feel about that?
1: Oh, man, I wanted to win so bad. But the backstory behind that is the day before, it was 2018. The day before was so big. Um, guys were getting knocked out, spitting up blood. The contest organizers canceled it. I mean, I was ready to go. I was the third heat of the morning, and the first heat had gone. And those were... It was gigantic. I mean, the girls went out first, so they did their whole event basically in the biggest waves ever paddled into at Jaws, <laughs> and it just kept getting bigger. And it was so heavy; um, no one was safe. Everyone was going to get destroyed, men or women. And then I ended up tone surfing the rest of the day because I canceled the contest. It got windy. I had it all to myself, and that's, that's and in that moment, I could care less about the event. I'm like, this is why I ride big waves. It's 80 <laughs> feet. I'm riding these waves by myself. I don't care, I'm on a tow word. I just wanna snowboard these waves and shred. Like, (laughs) I got pounded a bunch, it was all good. Um, But I mean, long story short, then the next day, the paddle event happened, it was smaller, still big, but like smaller and really challenging because it was like 40 knot winds, you know, just Maui glass, which is a lot of wind. And, you know, I, I had some really good waves. Could have had a better backup score, um, but the waves were really hard. And actually my first wave, I broke my carbon board and I got a bad, bad concussion. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it took me like six months to get over this concussion. Oh, shit. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that video. There's a video of me off my GoPro. I'm dropping in and I land on the tail and then the nose lands and I fall on my stomach. It yeah. wasn't hitting the water. It was actually got, you know, and I've heard this a lot from other people. The 12 footers, <laughs> 12, 15 footers at Jaws are worse to fall on than the big, big ones because there's less air in the Mm -hmm. white water. It's like when that heavier water hits you, it hits you like a brick more, you know? There's like less turbulence. The air is softened, you know? Um, And so I actually got a concussion from being caught in like dark water and it just compressed my head and it like rewired my brain. And throughout that final, I was like, on an emotional decline oh shit <laughs> like, Really? for sure like i could i at the time i didn't want to accept it because i was like i thought i was just rattled from falling but i'm like god there's no way i fell on like 25 footers which is like 50 foot waves 60 foot waves the day before
0: mm-hmm.
1: um how how would it be possible that a 12 foot or 24 foot faced wave affect me yeah. you know mentally i thought i was just tired or something long story short changed boards Got a really good barrel, backed up immediately, and I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm so fired up!" And then Billy got a really good one, but he wasn't making them. And then Tyler was in the mix too. Tyler Laron, he got a good one, and it was like between us three. And then I got a ba- like I got an airdrop to a top turn. They don't like scoring turns because I don't know they hate turns. <laughs> and um, and um, in the end, I got second. And I, I felt like that event was mine to win. Like, you know, when you just feel it, like oh, I'm gonna win this event. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you get that in life where you just you know the outcome before it happens. But it was the one time where that outcome was different. And uh I guess it was semi controversial because people thought I won, a majority thought I won. But then again, I don't think you could ever take anything away from anybody that surfs big waves paddling in. I mean, Billy won it was that his fourth time winning it? or third, I think it was his third time maybe winning it, Billy Kemper. So, in the end, I was really bummed, and then I had a traumatic brain injury, and I remember getting a massage, like, two days later to try to, like, unwind, and when I got it, it, like, released everything, and I remember I blacked out, and don't remember driving home, and getting home after, like, an hour, like, like, it was, like, I was on the South Shore, so it was, like, a 35-minute drive, right? Yeah. And, I remember getting off the table, like crumpled up, feeling so like, I don't know, so weak, pathetic. (laughs) Like I just felt weak (laughs) and pathetic off this table. And I got in my car to drive home and I just blacked down. I woke up in my driveway. I'm like, how did I get home? Holy shit. So, and it took me, like confidence was shredded from that just because like the rewiring of your brain. Your brain is your reality, right? Whatever it makes up. So luckily from that point on, it was summer. (laughs) so I had all summer to rebuild, (laughs) and I still wasn't good the next year, and then I did terrible at Jaws, I got like, I don't know, was it fourth or something, fifth?
0: Really, so that it, and that stemmed from that brain injury? For sure,
1: I had built my confidence so high for 2018, that when 2019 came around, I was like, my head still was like not, I wasn't in the right place, and I think we get a lot more traumatic brain injuries in big wave surfing than people realize i think yeah. every wipeout you get a mild concussion i agree i think there's way more
0: and just not even just like the wave but even the impact like you're going fast down that wave or if you airdrop down like you hit that water fucking hard you know yeah i've ate shit a lot of times out there um but that one. Oh yeah that one dude i swear it tell me about it i think if i had like windsurfed or maybe stand paddled like when i was growing up i would have pulled that wave because i would have been able and been more used to controlling the board in the air like you know like windsurfing mm-hmm. stuff when you launch you're able like you're kind of used to free falling and stuff when in surfing you... especially on a big board yeah and in surfing you're not um and i remember i caught that like a couple years before yours and you did like a similar uh, a similar drop but ended up pulling it right. and that's the Any
1: difference ladies and gentlemen <laughs> no no i think i think it was it was uh, it was equipment it was sports that i had been participating in for a long time really like in the moment freezing and and tapping into that you know yeah. like okay i've been here before the wave is bigger and scarier but the water is the same i mean just if you land it you're not going to get punished <laughs> yeah. dude do you feel like The next day
0: after surfing jaws like you're just drained like the high i feel like when you surf jaws and big waves and stuff like you get so amped up so much adrenaline yeah and then the next like couple days i saw it's like you're coming down from like
1: well i think there's like I don't know how you experience it, but for me, the best moment of big wave surfing is at the end of the day when you had ridden all day and you pushed yourself and you felt like you had nothing left on the table. You did whatever you could. Mm -hmm. It was always better, but you did whatever you could. And for me, it's leaving the channel at jaws driving on the boat or jet ski. And it's like the sun setting through Eow Valley and it's like pink, blue light, you know, just, and you look one look back and jaws is there and it's just, there's so much satisfaction. Like, Better than a world title, better than winning competitions. I mean, granted, if you can win a world title and competition at the same time, you even feel more euphoric. Yeah. But it's like there's nothing on earth, like all your problems feel irrelevant. And then the next day you wake up and you're semi depressed with a concussion.
0: (laughs) Dude, that's heavy.
1: I mean, um, sometimes, too, you know what I mean? Like, you have a day like that where you put it all in line, and then it happens again the next day. You're like, oh, my God, i got to go back out there.
0: Dude, do you remember the Aaron Gold year?
1: Mm-hmm, t- like,
0: 2016. Yeah, and, like, the first half of the winter was, like, super quiet. Like, it, Jaws, like, barely broke.
1: You're like, is this even – it's El Nino. It's supposed to yeah, be huge.
0: dude. Oh, I we sure. had the
1: Jaws contest 2015 when Mark Matthews broke himself off, like, oh, blew shit. his shoulder out, remember? That's right. That's right. And it was the windy year um dude we used to serve Joshua? was that the first so year was that the first year it happened out there
0: 2015 i don't know i think I that remember. was yeah that
1: was it was the first year that happened out there
0: um what was i gonna say sorry uh no I no not you. at all um but the aaron gold do you remember there was like a joshua every week
1: Oh, yeah, and it was every it or twice a week. I was
0: not stoked on it. I was, like, so happy once it, like, finally started
1: dying down because we were at Jaws, like, every fucking week or well, every few days. Well, we taught I mean, collectively, everyone would talk about how good would you get if you could surf Jaws all the time? Yeah. You know, like, the equivalent to, like, if you were surfing on the North Shore of Oahu and you got to go out to Pipe, you know, yeah. Pipe pretty pretty much in the winter breaks a couple times a week, right? Yeah, at least. At least, right? And so um it's like what would happen and that year we found out what would happen everyone got way gnarlier by the end everyone was tapped but the problem is is it's taxing because you're doing something that could kill you surprise no one did die i mean people look like they were trying to kill themselves i mean to be honest aaron gold got the one of the biggest rights ever right yeah and then but then you see pedro colado this brazilian you know daredevil going down an equally big left yeah. at one point in that day i think it was around the same time midday or something and he didn't have a pole vest he yeah. had an impact shit. vest yeah and the photo is of like a 70 foot slab wave on the left just and his board you know at the time the boards weren't even as good as they are now right yeah. so much as think about especially that dude that 2016 day? was like what five six years ago yeah right? six
0: years ago dude especially that day i remember like i caught one wave in the morning which was like at that point was still like the biggest wave i ever paddled into and then i was just like out there sitting with Laurent, and we kept just watching guys just not be fast enough to get around the wave like guys were, yeah they're boards they're literally not going fast enough to surf it they kept getting caught everybody was wiping out me and Laurent looked at each other, like dude fuck this like i'm we're over this we just went back on the boat and just like cracked a beer and started watching everyone just eat shit. Cono yeah. Boy had a gnarly one, too, that Who? day, Cono Oliveira. Oh, Con- Oh
1: my God. <laughs> did he break blow his shoulder out on that one? Yeah, I he think that's did. the one he blew his shoulder out. I think he out. tore his, like... Because
0: it was ledging up on the... It would, like, have a... Like, it would double up almost. It had, like, a It a had ledge a, a up crease in, the in north. it. Yeah, up in the north. But that
1: happens with long-period swells. Oh, is that what that's it is? That's what it is. So, those swells were... Twenty-one seconds, twenty twenty-one. Yeah. I think there was a twenty-three reading in Dude, there. I was shitting myself the night before. Really so for towing surfing, it doesn't matter. You you yeah. you you're already beyond that ledge. But what ends up happening is it's like the water keeps stacking on itself and it creases, it it folds or it bends. Dude. And paddling, you can catch the wave. But if you notice, sometimes guys don't go because there's just a mega ramp at the bottom. <laughs> and then, you you know, you're riding a 10-foot board that weighs 15 pounds, 20 pounds. And how are you supposed to control that? Actually, that was the day I decided I'm never using wax again in big waves. Really? Yeah, because
0: I don't know if you oh, remember. that's right. You have uh, just grip pads now, right? Uh,
1: full grip. And, I, and, you know, I've been trying to convince all my friends ever since to go full d- deck grip because you can actually, like, it, it's... Wax wears out over a couple of hours and you got to re-wax or, you know, you're sitting so much, you know, yeah. and, and it's not as consistent over the entirety of your board deck pad. It doesn't matter. Mavericks, Jaws, Nazare, the wax or the pad stays the same, yeah. same feeling.
0: Oh, yeah. That's sick, too, because then you don't have to re-wax
1: a whole like 10 foot board. Oh, my you God. Just... Nightmare. Yeah. So, but long story short is I remember doing an airdrop off that same ledge thinking I'd landed in my front foot sliding and then just being scorpioned underwater. Oh, it was shit. just complete scorpion. lower back, I swear the heels touched my back of my head. and I could only do that when I was six years old. <laughs> but I, not when jaws, I was
0: jaws had other. Plans. Not when
1: I was like twenty three or whatever. and um and oh my God, I got so flexed. I remember being underwater just going, I can't wait to come up. I'm gonna, screw this, I'm done. I'm gonna go to the boat. No one's gonna tell me I can go. I'm going back out. I'm gonna eat a burrito, and I'm done. And then as soon as I came up, I got saved. I was like, okay, I'll go back out. <laughs> but I instead I took my stand up board because it had yeah. a deck pad. <laughs> I nice. was like, never again wax. Wax is my nemesis. <laughs> I would have made it 100% if I had pad, for sure. Really, it's hundred percent, hundred percent. I would have made that. Shit. Maybe that's why you didn't make your drop Five. because I made my drop and I had a deck pad. You know the, that in, was... I think 2018 it was when you yeah. had your big. For people who don't know, Jamarco sent it <laughs> on a 25-footer, uh, nearly made it, and then broke his middle finger
0: or something. Yeah, the only reason I sent it was because Leron was yelling at me to go. I'll
1: admit I was yelling too.
0: <laughs> and, then, and then I saw Franny uh, Francisco Porcella. He was a little bit farther over. He was paddling for I was like, fuck, okay, I got to go. If, if I can't let these guys go. So that's why I had to send it. You were it. in the spot. Yeah, I was in the spot. I,
1: I, blew I it up. Maybe... Maybe one extra paddle. You know how a Jaws, you think you you have to stand up sooner than you do. Yeah. You're like, I always tell myself, right when I want to stand up, I'm gonna do one more stroke, oh, just to get down a little the more. any difference? No, just a little <laughs> more. Just like, okay, I feel like I'm in. I could, I'm gonna stand up, do one more stroke, and you think it's too late, and then by the time you stand up, you're in. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think the wind, because that was a windy day,
0: dude. So even since after since 2016, I feel like. Because it was the El Nino, we had waves, like, every week. Not only did we have waves every week, but the conditions were actually really good for most of those swells. And it, it was, like, glassy and shit. And ever since then, I feel like we've kind of gotten a little spoiled. Because before then, like, when we first started paddling stuff, dude, we've had so many sessions when it was just blowing winds, like, gnarly. And nowadays, like, you know, there's still those days, but now people would rather tell, I think.
1: Yeah, no, towing was... There was, like, an era, though, like... If you ever watch that movie, Riding Giants... Yeah. It it sort of ends in 2005 with Laird at Jaws. And just think about how much has happened since then. Yeah. Like, so much has happened since those guys kind of became the kings of Jaws or whatever. And then, you know, now... Then it was the paddle movement. Shane Dorian... Because Shane Dorian's Shane Dorian, guys were still paddling big waves, but he really showed what was possible yeah 2011 comes over paddles into you know that one big barrel wave Dude. like that it was he didn't make it but it was i was on my stand-up board at the time nine 8, 28 inches wide four and a half inches thick it was just a, <laughs> four and a half inches thick thing was huge oh, but that was shit. all i had i didn't have a paddling gun because yeah. no one paddled in at, on maui yeah. up to that point like you'd go to Waimea. Yeah. That was the paddling spot.
0: Eddie and it's Ical, different you know. Too. Like Waimea is a Nets wave, but it's it's not. It's not the
1: same. No, oh, it's thing. not Jaws. It's yeah. Jaws is five times Waimea. But that's you know, it's just it's um you know, he what he did is on that wave that was the first time he had ever used the pull vest on a in surf. So he when he uh... fell he pulled the vest and I remember he came up in within six seconds of like a thirty footer, that <laughs> and, and I, I remember distinctly knowing in my head that that day changed surfing forever. I remember when the pull
0: vest came out; I, it was like incredible, you know, just the idea that you can have something. And I know I remember people were like trying to figure like, oh, what if you have like a little canister of like air and stuff? And the like, problem um, is
1: with that you'll get like the bends and compression yeah, sickness.
0: Exactly if you breathe in while you're underwater and then come up the pressure will expand your lungs
1: yeah no i mean at that point you're better off just i mean you're coming up yeah unconscious or not with an inflation vest you're coming up you just gotta have good friends to come get you yeah
0: if you want to support the podcast or if you like the episode please share on any of your social media platforms you can tag the podcast at joel's podcast or you can do so by going on drawspodcast.com and clicking the support the podcast button on the top right. Thank you. Uh, shout you out to well. <laughs> Shout out to all the security that uh, that uh, drive the skis and drive those things into the impact zone to save us. Without them, a lot of the progression probably wouldn't have been able to.
1: I think happen. it's a combination of having the best water safety, and then you have the inflation vest that pushes the level. Yeah. I mean. It gave a lot more access to people who shouldn't be out there. That's true. But then again, I still like to think big waves regulate themselves to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, I think, ja- well, I agree with that. But at the same time, before paddling happened, there's a lot of people out towing at Jaws that oh, for probably sure. shouldn't have been out I there.
1: I mean, even now, there shouldn't be... You should almost have to be able to paddle first yeah. and then to, have, to be able to tow. Yeah. I mean... look, no one owns the ocean, right? But at the same time, it becomes like a safety issue. I mean, just in 2000, I mean, just this last January, 2021, you know, there was guys that hadn't been out there forever or there was guys that, you know, just, you know, the hype was there. And it's a lot too. It's like the media driven, biggest swell in a century, blah, blah, blah. And even if it's not or whatever, the hype machine. And then you end up, prepared but you end up not being able to perform the way you want because you're having you have a whole nother like layer of like the human aspect of it and then it's just people are out there for the wrong reasons they want to get the biggest wave ever ridden you know and you're just like dude i don't even care i just want to ride big waves and if i've waited an hour and a half for a big wave it's my turn yeah you know like if i've waited my turn it's my i'm going yeah absolutely but you're welcome now i'm just like before that i was frustrated and now i'm just like you know what just go go with me <laughs> just go together i don't even care i'll go around you yeah absolutely <laughs> and i mean most of the time they're on the shoulder and i'll be in I'm, i always picture i'm just like you go over there i'll be in the barrel behind you <laughs> what
0: do you like better the west bowl or the north peak
1: um i mean i like the north peak into the west bowl
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's like the that's like the ultimate wave is like it's, that that's no, hard yeah the north peak rolling and then just bottom turn like into full the west commitment
1: bowl if you
0: fall you get pounded.
1: no i mean west bowl i always liked it because there was like okay it felt a little safer because you're closer to the channel Mm -hmm. but at the same time you know you were straight into the tube i always liked the mid-peak but i mean granted it's scarier being at the north peak but shoots if you can just get a really good one at the north peak it's just going to be the best wave Yeah, you're gonna get well so if yeah
0: if it's a good one that lines up with that a lot of times
1: i would say it's like i don't know one out of five are really the ones and the others are like you're getting lipped in the face
0: yeah or they just kind of just go and mush out and don't really
1: yeah they're gonna be tall i mean i would say it's probably the most thrilling is those top top ones Mm -hmm. because it's just like it's just more it's this it's psychological Maybe the wave, it's easier to catch the wave on the North Peak. You're definitely in it, but you're so far away from safety. Yeah. You feel so much more alone, and no one's, there's like four people out there. And then the rest are kind of strung out into the West Bowl. Granted, a lot of them are going for certain barreling waves, but I don't know. I think just in my experience paddling this last year, there's, it's something so fun about chip shotting a big one that you're too scared to paddle in but you just go anyway and you stand up and then that ledge that we we're talking about that king comes up but you're in so early you kind of just roll over it
0: yeah
1: and for me once once i'm on the wave i feel like phew, i'm not scared anymore you're it's more just like the positioning the initial commitment right yeah. but like once i'm like i go over that ledge and i see it's bottoming out it's gonna barrel i've luckily been in that situation so many times i'm like oh yeah like i got it and then like last year i rode waves that literally felt like my toe waves was paddling like just where i was positioned on them you know like catching them on the north peak coming in deep and i have to say with toe and surfing gave me that comfortability because all of a sudden i've ridden so many more waves than if i was only paddling mm-hmm. so it just became like normal yeah um
0: do you think so i Switching a little bit off the topic of uh, Jaws and stuff. Um, Investing.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Go ahead. Um,
0: do you think, like, the surfing community at times has been a little apprehensive toward you due to, like, your backgrounds and sp- other sports and stuff?
1: I think it was harder for me to break in. Yeah. For sure. But that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, funny. I think
0: you've been, um, I mean, now you're, you know, you're fully in. Obviously, I mean, you're obviously, like, one of the best big surfers out of Jaws, and you rip at surfing, but um, yeah. Sorry, that was fuck. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to <laughs> no, I like that. that. <laughs> no, 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 that's cool.
1: No, all good. No, it's funny because like, it, surfing when we were growing up was so much hard, more hardcore. Yeah. I mean, social media didn't exist. There was, it was just, it was like, it was just way more hardcore. Way yeah. more tribal, you know? Like, if you weren't in the clique, you were out of the clique, mm-hmm. you know? No matter how nice you were, it was almost detrimental to be too nice. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just how it was. Yeah. Nowadays, I feel like a, the way I was acting has become kind of a lot more the standard, like, mm-hmm. of, like, what everyone started doing, you know? Like, in terms of just the way you approach things, like, people. Like, think about it best surfers in the world will do multiple sports now everyone's favorite surfer john john he wings he foils he sailboats then he'll go out and do the biggest air you've ever seen surfing he'll go out a big pipe he'll surf big waves um he's willing to try other things yeah you know like we've talked about him windsurfing and kiting and doing these other sports comes down to time since he's on the world tour but uh, the open-mindedness now is like huge and i think it's just generational the old generation you know you know was pure surf the newer generation is like open to just having fun a little more yeah and the world tour is in the center of the surfing universe as much as it was i i don't know i think it's just with social media you know there's so many other ways to be a pro but then again i would say the discrepancy with being a pro surfer is far bigger from like you know bottom tier to top tier top tier guys didn't even have sponsors anymore you know so you have to like separate yourself how do you separate yourself well you have to be open-minded and approach it differently whereas before you could just go out and rip now you can't just go out and only rip i know hundreds of people that go out and rip and they have no support yeah we were talking to uh kai barger the other day
0: about kai barger
1: is a great example yeah
0: about how uh the like core of surfing stuff and how he was like tripping out at first before getting into the ultimate surfer and like what people were going to think and stuff and how that was like affecting him mentally. And then he was like, you know, like fuck this. Like who gives a fuck what people think He's like, guys are talking shit on him on uh, his Instagram posts about like being a salt and stuff. And then he like goes and looks and this guy was like posting a picture of him, like digging rail. Like he doesn't even know no, how to surf. I like
1: mean, you just got to trolls. I mean, one thing people forget Kai Barger was the junior world champion at like into 2010. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was a while ago now, but like, frick, the guy is like unbelievable. He probably, if he put his m- like time towards it, could qualify. That's how good he serves. Did he you know? absolutely rips? And I mean, I would say what he had a broken elbow, broken wrist or something when he did Ultimate Surfer. Yeah. And he still like got second, I right? Or third. third. Yeah. He got third. Third. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, like, guys are again though it's just like it's situations it's what you want to do how much effort you want to do how hard do you want to like go after a certain thing i mean as you get older obviously you know it it's not all about surfing you know there's more to life than surfing and wearing a jersey but you know some decide to go with it longer than others um but I guess at the end of the day, you know, you kind of just got to carve your own path and now everything is so much more accepting. You actually, you're better off if you're more unique and doing more weird things or something that's like not traditional. That's how you get noticed. But then again, it's a balance of being a people pleaser and then also doing what you really love. Yeah. And so I've always just done what I really love and fortunately people have liked it. <laughs> speaking of new things um
0: how's uh well i guess it's not necessarily that new but you've been putting a a little bit more time into it i feel like is uh strap surfing
1: oh yeah strap surfing i mean i love doing strap surfing because i feel like i'm snowboarding and i really love snowboarding but then you know it all comes back down to my tone surfing how do you practice doing big flips on big waves you can't until Mm -hmm. it's big and you get what six days out of the year maybe that are firing um so you go on small waves with straps. And yeah, you know, guys can do it without straps. But there's also a lot of tricks they can't do without straps. Yeah, like,
0: well, unless you're like Albie or like, the very top 0.01% of trying doubles and landing them, you can't really do it without. Like, I've seen you do some crazy, like, flips and stuff at Waco with straps. Oh, yeah.
1: So, I mean, the cool thing is with straps, the conditions don't have to be perfect. You can go with the wind, whereas surfing, normally you have to go against it. For, so the board sticks to your feet, and yeah. I mean, I practice both art forms as much as I can, but I'm I'm also looking at it as like, okay, I'm, do these tricks on small waves, I'll get comfortable, and they'll translate to big waves. Mm-hmm. It's all about like what's gonna translate to a bigger wave. <laughs> I mean, and and then you know you look at guys like Rush Randall from the past. He was thirty years ahead of his time. He was doing yeah. these big flips and tricks, backflips on foils. I mean, he was just well, maybe came on the scene 30 years too early you know <laughs> um which is it's crazy um and i i think there's some footage out there if you look him up on youtube you'll trip out but you know he's probably one of the best watermen mm-hmm. the least known waterman of all time probably the best <laughs> yeah
0: i noticed um Ridge has been stepping up in big wave surfing and
1: his big wave game How does it feel to have you know your younger brother out there and well, Ridge went out to went to college in San Diego for a while. And, you know, he's doing the surf team stuff. He was surfing, spoiling, doing all that stuff. But then never seemed like he was interested in big waves it felt like it was my thing. And then when he came back, he kind of became a lot more of a support for me, um, you know, uh, and just my career. And like, he's so smart. He knows like, you know, as like a producer on some of the stuff that I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, like he's just someone good to reference. Then I kind of convinced him, oh, get a couple waves here. And then he realized he was pretty good at it. He always was good at it. But he had to convince himself. Dragged him to Nazare, dragged him to Mavericks. Obviously, Jaws is in our backyard. So he went to Jaws. And turns out he's, without a doubt, top five best tow surfers on the world right now. I mean, he's do- doing backflips on big waves. He's riding giant barrels. I think it's a history of the sports we've done. He's stepped in and gotten so comfortable. Mm-hmm. And... um paddling he still he'll go he'll go out and he'll we'll show up to mavericks for example and it was the day of the year biggest day paddled in 10 years or something and everyone was you know he was on the boat no i don't want anything and then he decided just to grab my board and go out and within like 30 minutes caught two bombs deeper than most of the crowd and he's like Okay. okay i'm done (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh dude this guy's kind of gnarly like ridge has smoke bro and that's sick wants all the smoke he wants all the smoke yeah and so um while she was there and it was uh no ridge ridge can he's gonna he's stepping it up in his own time that's a cool thing about big waves is it's definitely not about how fast or hot you come in i mean think about the best big wave surfers are the older guys mm-hmm. they've been doing it for 20 years you yeah. know i'm at year 12 of jaws or 13 is this 13 or 14 i don't know at least that because we started paddling it
0: like i 11 when i first started and i'm 26 now that was nine years ago and we were towing it i started towing when i was 14 yeah i was 16 yeah so
1: like yeah
0: we've been out there for we're young but we've been out there for years now
1: yeah and and you know Ian walsh always had something really interesting to say about it he's like you'll see like guys come in and he's seen it because he's probably been serving big ways for 25 years or something yeah. you know and he you'll see guys come in hot they'll come in guns blazing mm-hmm. ready to roll and they'll be there one two years and then they'll just disappear because yeah. you can't maintain that maintain that sort of send level where the biggest waves come coming i'm just going no matter the consequences yeah And then you see the older guys are so much calculated. Like, they'll sit six hours. The prophet just sits. The senator, (laughs) he'll he'll sit out at the peak for freaking six hours. And then that's the funny thing about big waves. Like, you can feel like you're killing it because you're getting a ton of waves, but then it all comes down to that one big wave. You know, someone like Greg Long, Ian Wall, Shane Dorian will nab the wave Mm -hmm. and it'll overshadow anything else that happened during the day and it'll be like so in the media it'll be like so and so dominated you know and they only caught one wave but it was the wave and you can't take anything away from that because that's that level is so much higher but it it goes to show that patience is a virtue and experience pays off in the end tune with your equipment tune with your mind your body the wave i don't know there's a lot goes into it um for big wave competitions and stuff
0: do you think there's a an optimal what do you think the optimal way is of judging it i think they
1: need priority because trying to paddle, wait do they not have priority now? They have no priority oh shit it's super gnarly i mean then it would come down more to the surfing again i mean if you're in the spot you're in the spot mm-hmm. but a lot of times in a contest you know big waves it's not like this consistent big waves yeah. when you have a bigger period between each wave You know there might be a set every 30 minutes and you have a heat for 45 so one good set and then a bunch of average waves in between it becomes a paddle battle and then guys end up not catching waves because no one backs down and you end up paddling all the way back to the top or whatever and uh so i mean one way i think priority is like for sure like what's taking so long um as far as wsl did you hear that I mean, they don't even, big wave events don't even exist now, so it doesn't really matter. But we're, the goal, the hope is that there's a Jaws event this year. But with COVID, you know, I, Hawaii events are getting canceled. Why would a big wave event, you know, go through as well? So it's a bit of a nightmare um, for me because I just want to compete and I want to <laughs> win so bad. <laughs> I just want to win because it's in my backyard. I was so close, yeah. you know, it's like you taste a little taste of the frosting. But I didn't get the whole cake yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you spoke about goal setting earlier. How do you, do you have like a specific way that you do these things? Or like, do you have like a vision board? Do you just write them down or do you just think about them every day?
1: Um, I mean, I've always been super goal oriented, but I think the trick is, is breaking it down into baby steps. Mm-hmm. So you can have a, like literally having a win a day is good for your, your mind. And then also failing too, is really good, too. I mean, you don't want to always win. Winning, you don't learn a lot. Losing, you learn a lot, right? I wouldn't be as good as I am now if I hadn't lost so many big wave events, (laughs) you know, or like felt that pressure to get better. Um, So a lot of times, like, um, to get things off my mind, I'll just, you know, I just, for example, I finished working on a feature film, acting, everything, and I ended up having to become a producer on it. So like I had to schedule, you know, I had to figure out the story. I had to know what we're shooting, and in that experience, I learned how to produce wow. in filmmaking, right? And so now I'm I'm producing my life. Like that was like my whole thing, producing my life. <laughs> so like, what is it? How could I just get the most out of every opportunity or every situation, mm-hmm. good or bad? Like, how could you make the most out of it? And so I'll spend times on my air on the airplane. I'll spend, like, the six-hour flight literally just thinking about, like, typing down, okay, this is the equipment I want. Here's my equipment list. Okay, these are the tricks I want to do. How am I going to do those tricks? Anything that comes to my head, I'm putting it down on paper. And I've, like, made, like, a PDF or, like, kind of, like, a binder of, like, just codes, I call them. You know, it's just this code. It's, like, little references. Mm-hmm. It's, like, oh, my God, I should got to turn my head a little more when I turn. Drop the hand. You know, it's just, like, little cues that... I wanted to reference it. I don't reference it because it's all in my head and I mm-hmm. know it, but it's just nice to get it out there. And then when I go in the water, I really like how I overcome fear on a big wave is I think about what I want to do on that wave. What is the objective? Not the wave itself. You're going to be scared no matter what. <laughs> so you just, whatever. I'm sick. Of, I, last year, I just became sick of being scared. At a certain point, <laughs> you're just like, frick, I'm, I'm over being scared. I'm just going to go do it. So it seems like it's a very analytical process. I'm a very analytical person, perfectionist, and that was, like, if anything, a downfall. But what I learned is, you know, and I feel this sometimes. Like, I'll go out, and, for example, I was just in Huntington Beach. The waves were tiny, grindy. I was with the best QS surfers in the world, and I was surfing so bad compared to them. I mean, I was surfing all right for me, Mm -hmm. but I was surfing so bad. There was, like, there was just, like, people in the the towers you know they're just judging you they're like okay he's probably sucks you know like (laughs) what's he doing but you know that's good you want that pressure because that just like i love that like the more uncomfortable situations i could put myself in like mentally and emotionally once you learn not to care about it you can thrive in that environment and a lot of times too i think of it this way i'm like oh, I'm so glad they got to see me bog and do horrible because the next time they see me, they're going to be baffled. And so <laughs> you use people. It's an, I don't necessarily care what people think, yeah. but I purposely allow myself to, in moments, to fuel. Like it's like put feet off of it. Off of it. So it's like like most of the time, dude, I don't care. It, at the end of the day, if I lost all my sponsors, I wasn't traveling, I would still do everything I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Never get a photo oh whatever you know at least i'm doing it right but in order to further my career and get me amped and motivated you know it's like have you watched that movie the last or that show the last dance with michael jordan no but everybody tells me to see it. no so it's basically like michael jordan he would someone would do something to him even if it was not intentional and he'd be like and i took that personally so he'd take everything personally, but what he would do is he'd use it to destroy his opponents. He was savage, complete,
0: and so <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. No, so it's like you gotta it's have like, that mentality though. If to be to do things that are abnormal and stuff, you gotta have an abnormal regimen. You gotta have an abnormal way of thinking to be able to like.
1: Yeah, and I mean, growing up here too, it's like it was a very big difference between the windsurfers and surfers at Ho'opua, right? Yeah, and I got used to being outside of like the click or the crew because I was a windsurfer and I was kind of shitty at surfing like small waves. And so it was like, you know, you get, you get used to being an outsider and I think being an outsider is good. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone should feel that at least once in their lives, not to say that you should stay that way. It's good to have like your crew, your collective of friends to help motivate you. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I mean, it's just, when your back is against the wall and all you got is yourself my god you're it's like you have to step up who else is going to step up for you you know and so that's like that's now when i go in big waves there's i'm i never put myself in a position where i don't think i could get myself out of on my own the getting saved is great you know like oh my god it's so nice or if i got knocked unconscious or something happens for sure but at the same time i'm like i'm willing to scale that cliff if need be.
0: Yeah. Um, and in fact, that's interesting you bring that up. Uh, we were talking with Lion the other day because he was telling me about he was like wanting to get into big wave surfing mm-hmm. and stuff. I'm like, well, if you know, you know, Kai, that's the perfect person to like show you the ropes. But one thing that I was telling was Matt when he first started taking us out to big wave surfing, like reefs, yeah, out to Jaws and stuff. Um, one thing he's like, okay, I'll bring you guys out. I'll teach you guys how to do it, but the only way I'm going to do this is if you have the mindset that you are going to be able to get out of the impact zone and stuff that you have to be able to I'm willing to and know that you are going to get yourself out and you're not going to rely on the safety and stuff because I mean you know all the time like a lot of the safety guys sometimes just can't especially if it's super west and it's like just can't get to you yeah they just can't get to you so if you're hoping that the sea is going to come get you and then they miss you, that, if you have the mindset that you're going to get saved and you don't, you can start panicking. And oh, for you sure. start panicking, thats you're fucked.
1: I think there's, like, it's like, there's a fine line with like, the convenience. You yeah. don't want to get too comfortable with the convenience of being saved. But at the same time, you do whatever you can to get on that jet ski. Like, If the, wave, the waves are so loud and there's maybe helicopters, there's people on the cliff, the noise of the jet ski, if they don't see you... You want to get their attention. So yeah. scream, holler, do whatever you can to get their attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but in your mind, you're not, you're like, you're not folding. You're not like, oh, I'm screaming because I'm fearful and don't leave me. It's more mm-hmm. like, hey, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> you know, you just because I mean it's happened to everyone where you they don't see you, and but you see them. And yeah. you're like, hey, I'm over here. Just so that they don't lose their freaking jet ski trying to come get you. In another position, you know, it's like, I, the eyes have to be on you to help, to help prevent those guys from actually getting destroyed as well. Yeah. But, you know, you have to have like 15 backup plans. Like, at the end of the day with these, like, I'm willing to swim out to sea, you know, sometimes it's easier to go out than get blasted in. The current Mm -hmm. just sucks you out. So you go with it, go with the current. Yeah. And just, I'm like, I'll just lay here until the swell goes down. Like, I'm willing to stay out there for days. (laughs) <laughs> like that's in my head i would be just willing to do that there. i don't care like fuck, i'll just sit out there for like three days that's until nice. it gets small but i don't ever want to do that but i'm in my head yeah, yeah, yeah i'm totally willing to swim to hana if i had to but i probably will just try to swim straight in just like up, better to just go up the cliff at that point <laughs> right no but i mean like it's no, 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 it's mean, all the experience of doing channel crossings mm-hmm. and getting used to being in the middle of the ocean yeah that has helped me mentally to be just like I've spent so much time in tens of thousands of feet of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could, I could swim sixteen miles yeah. down to the harbor. Whatever. If I don't get attacked by a shark, I'm good. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> one
0: time, uh, I paddled for a wave on the West Bowl, missed it, and then there's like a handful of sets right after. So that I got caught. I'm pretty sure Tory Meister was on one and like ate Did... shit. <laughs> um, Poor Tori. Dude, I got pushed inside. I had to inflate my vest. I come up. The next wave's right there. I just had time to deflate it so I can go under. I get keep getting ragdolled. I got ragdolled by, like, six or seven waves. And I got so pushed far inside that I was on the left. Right? Ooh, the skis yeah, couldn't horrible. get me because it was west.
1: Did and, you have to go in the cove?
0: No. So I was, like, paddle. I got back on my board. Paddled like, out the left. Paddled back out the left. And I was just passing that little, like, there's those rocks over there. Yeah, the rock the, point. Yeah. Um, that Curtis came like i think he went all the way around because he couldn't come in directly and finally like was able to grab me
1: oh shit. man this is so gnarly but that's like the thing like west you
0: have to be ready to be able to like go through that shit and
1: you know willing to mm-hmm. oh for sure yeah. i mean it's all part of the game at the end of the day you want to make every wave but you're gonna pay your dues soon
0: all right i have I don't know if this is going to be a thing or not on my podcast. I have a few questions here that you're going to just pull out. Oh, and then I have to
1: answer? I love this. I love this game, (laughs) Jeremiah. What kind of... Just random. Some are serious.
0: Some aren't. Some are... We'll we'll see what you get. I don't know which one to choose. What
1: did I say? Do aliens exist? 100% they exist. 100%. I'm here. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. (laughs) 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 No, I mean... In the vast, in the vast nebula, there has to be existence. I mean, they say there's millions upon millions of Earth-like planets, whether there is intelligence is us. I have this theory that we're either too soon, like too before everything, you mm-hmm. know, like aliens haven't got, like other civilizations haven't gotten there mm-hmm. or we're late. Everything, it was like an apocalyptic event and everyone was like, oh, they don't exist, but we're like just remaining. You know, I don't know. I love thinking about it. I want to be abducted by an alien so bad. Dude, what
0: if they like test on you and stuff? That's fine, whatever. Like, at least you have the experience. No, no,
1: I'll befriend them. I'll befriend okay. them. No, I don't know. I think we'd have good relations. Um, but okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. Okay. Okay. You. This is this is kind of gnarly. you get picked up by an alien out of your front yard, hmm. and you're hovering over Earth. You have two options: go back home like nothing happened. You can tell whoever you want about your experience. They think you're a psychopath. Mm-hmm. No one would believe you. Or they'd show you the, every part of the universe, all the mysteries. But by the time you came back, everyone you know and loved would be gone because of, you know, t- oh. relativity. You know, time. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It comes time dilation. Yeah.
1: So what would you do? <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> That's a heavy question. I mean, it's a, it's a loaded one for sure. Um, so if I
0: picked the ladder, I would have to be ready to just give up on like
1: everyone I've loved to be able to. to but think about it though. Like for me, it's, it's, I mean, it's really hard to do because by the time you'd come back, you know, earth would be hundreds of years into the future. Right? Like, yeah, if I there's... think as a responsibility to, as a responsibility to humanity, you would have to go. If there's if
0: if they could promise that by the time we came back to Earth that there's actually a civilization of humans and I'm not just stuck no with no, these guarantees. no guarantees no guarantees
1: you'll probably die dude think about it we humans don't live that long you know what I mean like you go around corner of the universe you're like 85 probably keel over by the time you get to Earth
0: but yeah, think about I what think you'd think. see it would you'd be have, very
1: lonely because yeah. you don't speak their language but you'd learn you could learn I think uh. I think I'd... I'd
0: I'd have Choose. to take it. Yes and or you no? Have yeah. you have you'd to. you have to. you have
1: to go. Um, so. It would be the biggest regret, I think, of your life if you didn't. If you didn't, yeah. Because you'd always wonder, what
0: if? What but you'd if be able to live on. Go? You'd live your life out on Earth and you'd be fine.
1: But no, the question would tear you apart. What What, what would you do? I would 100% go. Yeah. Without a question. Sorry, other everyone. Waves? I love you all. <laughs> no, it'd be. I'd go out and write the biggest wave I've ever written. <laughs> In the universe. In the universe. Um. No, I don't know. Fuck! I, I kind of feel like I'm manifesting this and if I just disappear one day, you know exactly what <laughs> okay. happened. Like, where did Guy go without a trace? He's out on like surfing 300 feet Just know I'm, on I'm out planet. in the cosmos or I'm being tested on like a cow. I don't know. Okay, next question. All right. Most underrated pizza topping? Pineapple bro. Dude, fuck. I know, <laughs> I just said that because you're <laughs> Italian. <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. God, um, I'm Italian too. I'm a Mexican pizza, as they say. So, yeah you know like part mexican part um italian wow more italian that. i didn't know that Dude, um, i did freaking like, venison okay. bro
0: no way i I've love venison, venison bro venison.
1: well venison and pasta is my favorite yeah just you know it's like it's like a little taste of maui
0: mm-hmm.
1: a little taste of italia <laughs> and then no but on a pizza to be honest i'll eat anything actually i've tried making my own pizzas and they're Mm -hmm. delicious but the problem is i put everything on them like
0: just you go full work yeah
1: you know you're supposed to like put it's like it's a it's an art form to put just enough so you can still eat it but dude this thing comes out like this (laughs) thick like like
0: i don't know dude i like the classic just margarita pizzas those are my favorite
1: um i mean dude actually spicy sausage that is a little underrated spicy sausage i would agree yeah i mean honestly put in front of me i'll eat it burrata i love burrata oh fuck, burrata so on pizza good. yeah um yeah. can i do another one yeah do as many as you want top three cuisines <laughs> <laughs> little burritos number one yeah. um dude, I no th- types like mexican types? italian well that, okay mexican first
0: okay it's a heavy call but okay mexican. i mean no mexican's
1: really good Obviously
0: Mexican. Mexican
1: first, for sure. Because think about it; it's pre-digested, just about. It's like not; (laughs) it's not heavy, so you can eat it really quick. Pure energy, pure performance. Um, That's your secret. That's your. And I mean, it's really simple to make. You can. It's a surprise because I my whole shtick is when I go around the world is to find Mexican food just to test the Mexican. How they're Mexican? God, it's amazing how bad people butcher it. Like, no offense, but like people. (laughs) Are hor- like it's the easiest food to make beans like freaking salsa i mean salsa is not even hard to you can get it in cans right like um rice uh cheese freaking guacamole sour cream tomatoes like the basics meat yeah. you know and, the, and and like tortilla i don't know they they butcher it but it's fun mm-hmm. i love it you know i love going places and making it myself and because sometimes <laughs> the ingredients it. don't mix yeah you know they the ingredients somewhere else in the world isn't like what we have in North America, yeah. For whatever reason, the pinto beans aren't pinto enough. I don't know. <laughs>
0: um, All right, first. Oh, but then okay. Mexican. Okay.
1: Um, uh, first is Mexican. Second, Italian. Third, maybe Thai food.
0: Thai food. That's like a Thai good.
1: Food. Those are good top. I, it's a good. Okay, I'm gonna do another one. Okay. Can I ask you one? Yeah. Oh, this one's pronunciation. Gif or Jif? It's jiff. Yes thank you everyone knows GIF.
0: that no because people say gif they like try to like tell you that it's gif when it's what's not.
1: your favorite tv show
0: uh um too many hell on wheels. wheels hell on wheels is really good what is that hell on wheels is a show i think on amc but oh peaky blinders sorry peaky blinders top peaky blinders peaky i mean blinders. Don't,
1: that just makes me want to act so much cooler yeah absolutely yeah, and I want get them.
0: like cool haircuts
1: yeah with just with Sip, like this, the top that's yeah yeah no for sure um for me too many i can't pick <laughs> i already did that one this is fun um favorite cereal well i don't eat cereal i don't really eat cereal either i don't like cereal i i like granola um, Cheerios? No. <laughs> the most basic cereal on earth. The most plain cereal. Um, most underrated snack. A burrito. That, I knew you were going to say that. No, <laughs> no, I'm going to say something else now. Um, I mean, how good? You don't have it often, but how good are just, like, peanut butter on an apple, or peanut butter on a banana i feel like that's a classic snack when you're like a grom no but think about how underrated that is
0: yeah because you don't have it anymore once you grow up potassium in the banana
1: protein in the peanut butter probably some bugs mixed in there from the factory it's delicious a little protein and no yeah straight up i think it fills you up just enough but it's a snack you know you can't Mm -hmm. if you're full it's a meal yeah yeah i agree Uh, let's do another one
0: okay
1: um Breakfast, greatest fear, breakfast fear. <laughs> Wait, Gr- what? Greatest fear, Jamarco. Oh, greatest fear.
0: Uh, like actual greatest fear?
1: Yeah, it could be anything. We not... could even dub it out. Hey,
0: did it, uh, the camera stopped. What's your greatest fear?
1: Uh, my greatest fear is living with regret.
0: Yeah, I think my greatest fear is not... Uh, living to my full potential
1: i yeah you know like that's i think what's gotten me is like all of a sudden you're turning 29 years old and you're just like have i done enough like like in my own head i feel like i haven't done anything that like i i I should have done way more you know yeah and then a lot of it can be fueled by the world around us you know and i think that's like why people have mental issues nowadays because so many people feel like they need Like, they they need to, like, do something so great. Because you're exposed to, think about it, every day on your phone, you're exposed to greatness. Someone's doing something great. But I feel like that
0: uh, intrinsic motivation, like, that feeling that you haven't, like, not settling. Yeah, never settling. Yeah, yeah. that feeling is what I think pushes people to be great for the ones that
1: do. Well, talk about never settling. This is really, that's interesting you say that. Because getting a girlfriend eventually getting married eventually having kids is a form of settling right yeah so it's like how do you you have to separate those forms and then at a certain point do you try to be a kid forever and then it becomes sad (laughs) or do you like can you do both you know what i mean well i think
0: yeah i actually don't know that i i thought you had all the answers that's why i came on on, on this there's definitely a form of settling if you know you're well, maybe not, because the individual that you end up choosing to stay with is maybe what
1: is like you worked up. To. I mean, maybe it's there's always, and maybe you find the one, but I think it's a lot to do with personalities. I was talking to our friend Ian about this a little bit. You know, it's like certain people can fall head over heels in love immediately, yeah. And it's just their personality. If you believe in astrology, I don't know, you know, like like.
0: <laughs> do you believe in astrology?
1: um it's just weird how so not necessarily like i wouldn't hold it as like the tell-all thing Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's just weird how accurate it is for some people dude but i feel those things are so like i'm not talking about horoscopes i'm talking about like the like 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 I'm a Libra, for example, you okay. know, and then they write out and I'm like, God, I have like, I guess you could fit yourself into any box. Right. That's my problem with it. Yeah. Is that but it's it? fun. I like it. It's just fun because it's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't take it seriously, but it's just, it's fun to mess with. Right. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, No, I don't know, man. Okay. Greatest fear. We did that one. <laughs> Toilet paper over or under. However it comes out, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> over for sure. Really? It has to be over. For you?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, you are a perfectionist. <laughs> you know. All right, let me ask you on.
1: What do you got? Do you I have a asked good one? the questions. Here, no, I didn't look at these. Okay, let's see. This is my
0: podcast now. Most influential person in your life?
1: Um, You, Jamarco. You. I <laughs> thank you.
0: No, for real though, your parents, your brother. Hello. Wouldn't
1: be where I'm at today without my parents, no doubt. Family unit is incredible. You know, my parents gave me every opportunity. And then also though, they were really good about not making it easy necessarily. It was like, really just came up to me to like do it. And I think I was, I was born with a ton of motivation that, um, I was never going to quit. I was always going to succeed, but it was nurtured by my parents. So, I mean, you know, to every parent out there that helps their kids. I mean, sometimes like I have friends that their parents were, weren't good at all for them you know but there was a lesson there too and they ended up learning you know what they don't want to be you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. you know Absolutely. it's like i guess positive you could take there's you can take something good out of just about anything even if it's horrific or whatever i've been blessed to live such a i would say an easy life if i wanted it to be mm-hmm. like in terms i mean i i I, I was never given anything. You know, I've had to earn everything. But then again, it was just what it came down. It came down to me in the end. So if I don't allow myself to fail, then you're not going to fail. But you definitely don't want to be play that victim card. I, I, I would rather take responsibility.
0: I like it. All right. Do you have any parting words for, you know, future athletes, surfers, windsurfers, whatever, anything that uh, you think?
1: Um, I think, you know the biggest thing is to just it's just so much obviously it's like take every day um and and really try to make the most of it it sounds cliche but like for me it's been deconstructing and trying to really figure out how to get better without excuses mm-hmm. like whenever i hear excuses in my head i just it rings all i hear is excuses like there's there is no excuses there's only lessons and there's only like perseverance and so um i would say for the longest time you know it appears most time people have it easy or it comes easy but a lot of times they work so hard behind the scenes some are just naturally gifted and it comes really easy Mm -hmm. but then again they have to work really hard at other things no one there's always a struggle right but what you see online is it looks like it's really easy so it's like anytime you're not getting good if you ever think, oh, I'm just not good enough. Oh, I suck. You know, this is like, there's so much better than me. That's okay, actually, to feel that. But how do you come out of that? It's like, oh, man, I suck. Okay, like, how am I going to do better? You know what? I'm changing the way I paddle. I'm slow at paddling. So instead of, like, really stretching and going over, I'm going to actually do these, like, semicircles and I paddle. Oh, when... You know, how do I get over the fear? I'm going to actually confront fear more often. Like, what is the most scary thing I can do? I'm going to go talk to the biggest, scariest dude on the beach. <laughs> just talk story. That seems scary. Or that girl over there. I don't care the outcome. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go see what's up. You know, like to to confront fear so that that's, that translates eventually to trying to overcome that in big waves. You know, I'm just picking little moments. But I think being scared is like in general good Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's okay to be scared but it's just what you do with it it's it's the most misunderstood emotion because most people don't want to have it but once you know how to use it it's more powerful than any other emotion any other motivation because straight it it dives you straight into survival instinct like you're straight into survival instinct and it's kill or be killed you know like i guess metaphorically speaking um, so you have to just turn up and be ready to go. I like it. Well,
0: thank you very much for coming. You thank heard you. It here, no excuses, people. There are no excuses. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day.
1: Aloha.